Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, Indiana MX wrap-up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we super, super appreciate it. BTOsports.com, of course, uh, use the code PulpMX to save yourself money at that fantastic website. Anything you need for your bike or body, they can handle it. And proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with Andrew Short and Matt Beef Gurky. Thanks, everybody. Brand new website for them and uh, best prices around, including if you're in, listen to this and you're international, check it out because a lot of times their prices can't be beat, um, even with the shipping and, and their shipping discounts and such. Presented by Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the full line of 2015 products, including the new V3 helmet with MIPS technology. MIPS! Highly updated uh, award-winning Instinct Boot, Airspace Performance Goggle, 360 Racewear, Foxhead.com, or visit your local authorized dealer, which chances are they are a Fox dealer at that. So, BTOsports.com, Foxhead.com, uh, proud sponsors and presenting sponsor of this podcast, Indiana MX Wrap-Up. Like I said, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line is RacerX online editor, my boss, the voice of American motocross, the Jason Wygant. Yeah! You did not get the word of the day in. You did not. It's over, Johnny. Really? Yeah, it's over. <laughs> just, just like that, you're just going to crush everybody's dreams and hopes. Not feeling it, man. Wow. Did you get in trouble? No, actually not at all. I, don't think, I still don't think anybody actually that matters even knows it just goes on. Oh, okay. One of the most amazing things of all, if you think about it. Just, just once we threw the Star Wars reference in there, which, you know, you don't like those types of movies, that was it for you. Maybe that's it. That's a good yeah. point. Maybe that just shut me down completely. Wow. Also on the uh, line. Lo- oh, oh, sorry. What? Huh? Go, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. It's word of the day thing. I can't get my head wrapped around it any longer. Just no enthusiasm. Just. You're like Blake Baggett. Burned out. I'm burned out. You're like Blake Baggett the last few weeks. Just, it's over. Yep. It's out of reach. Yeah. Burned out. It's going through the motions. Uh, also on the line, uh, he is the RacerX online uh, uh, content editor and. Uh, He'll tell us all about the guys that went from 17th to 25th. Uh, the Chase Stallo. Chaser, what's up? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, JT, our usual uh, compadre, is uh, somewhere uh, flying across America. Somewhere. So. And uh, wasn't at the race. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Very strange. Brand new facility yeah. and everything. I guess, first of all, um, were you, Weech, were you there for press day? No. Uh, we got in Friday. Okay, Chase, uh, you were there. For amateur day. You were okay. Well, before the rains came, a terrific track by all standards. 
Yeah, I was, uh, I think all around, it was uh, A+. Plus. I mean, the facility was nice. Um, you know, the views were great. Uh, they surprisingly had a lot of natural elevation. Um, and it really, you know, we were there Friday morning till Friday afternoon uh, watching all the amateur guys practice, and it, it really formed nicely. I think it would have been a great track if, you know, we didn't have the mud. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was pretty. Everybody who rode was pretty stoked on it. So, uh, but of course, you know, be, me being the ace goggle guy that I am, I was uh, constantly checking the weather. And at some point, it was thirty percent uh, chance, thirty percent chance, and uh, you know, scattered showers, kind of. And I'm like, oh, all right, it's not so bad. And then, Ouija, uh, uh before practice started, the rains opened up, the the skies opened up, and, and it rained hard. Yeah, it was the worst case scenario. Uh, for several different reasons. Um, they had just ripped up the track. You know, if you had it sealed in, it probably could have survived a little bit better. And I don't know if anyone realized it would matter at the time because what I heard was once we had that big rain in the morning, mm-hmm. everybody kept saying, well, you think that's bad, look at this. And the radar showed a storm that was way bigger. Yeah. So I think at the time everybody's like, well, no reason to get upset over this because it was only going to rain anyway and would have gotten ruined anyway. But then it ended up not really raining again. Mm-hmm. Just a tiny little bit. So then I think the track dudes were bummed because they're like, man, if that hadn't happened right when it did, you know, rain while they were riding, which is the worst case scenario, they're literally yeah. digging trenches with yep. their bikes as they're riding and the track's ripped up. Well, yeah. Once I think it, it would have survived. I think it actually would have been a pretty good. It was worst case timing. Plus, that's not good for fans either. You wake up, you're on the fence about going and it's raining at 730 in the morning. Yeah. Hardcore people listening to this podcast will say that's ridiculous, but for sure it makes a difference. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. It's too bad because uh, first ever national and, you know, I mean, just want to get off on the right foot and just, uh, yeah, not good. So, um, and also, too, it rained a little bit in the first 250 moto, but not nothing really. The the Really, like you said, the rains really stopped for the motos, but the damage was done to the track, man. It It, it was nasty. It rained hard. Like, it rained... <laughs> so hard when it did rain. It was maybe only an hour and a half total, but yeah. there were, what, three or four times where it just dumped. There was Jimmy Albertson and Greg had a river running through their pits. It was like the movie, River Runs Through It. There was just pouring through the middle of their pits. I think I, I think Jimmy at one point, you know, started fishing. It was gnarly. Uh, Chaser, did how many times did you almost eat shit walking up to and from the press tent? Uh, say a hundred or more i mean it was uh perfectly it was gnarly man even going to the bathroom was a was a challenge so it was, you know, i can't i can't imagine what those guys were riding and i was having trouble just walking around well i saw some some uh guy b photos on uh vital mx guy b on uh sunday morning and i didn't realize there were some spots that bad i mean it was the you know front wheel not turning locked up that type of stuff so the track was pretty much a disaster um hey i, I got this so Roxon won. We all know that he rode great, but here's here's a question for you, Chase. I got this on my uh, Twitter feed, and I'm sure a lo- I'm sure they're Ryan Dungey fans. Let me uh, let me give you an idea of their their typical tweet. That sucks, man. Dungey was coming on, and now there's a stupid mud race, and anything can happen, and now the championship is lost. It sucks. I mean, I don't feel. Hey, being good in the mud and. Performing in mud races should be part of the deal, right? I mean, you can't really. Yeah, I agree. And and me and Weeds were talking about this this morning, and you know, Weeds brought up a good point that you know did did he lose it there or did he lose it the at the beginning of the season when he dug himself a thirty point hole? 
Um, so you can look at it, it both ways. Um, but like you said, you know, part of outdoor motocross is being able to ride in the mud and, you know, building yourself a cushion to where, you know, you can withstand a ninth place. Mm-hmm. You know, he dug himself so deep that, you know, he just couldn't have that. Um, you know, it's, it's not great for the series. I'm sure, you know, everybody wanted a dry track, but, you know, sometimes that's the way it rolls. And, you yeah. know, I think we've been lucky the past, you know, three or four years to really not have many mud races. Well, I think that's it, huh? Why, again, people aren't used to not re- – or they're not realizing that we've always had one or two mudders, and we haven't had it for a few years. So – I think it's both. I mean, it definitely isn't not fair or anything like that. Like, it is what it is. It's part of the sport. It's bound to happen eventually. I, I do agree with all that. But, I mean, everyone would rather have had them go 1-1 or 2-2 and have it be, you know, a 10-point or so lead going in the finale than 20. Like, it definitely sucks in a way. Chances are Roxon wouldn't have gained that many points. What are the chances that Dungey goes 2-9 if the track was dry? Uh, you know zero. Yeah. So I, I kind of see it both ways. It's not unfair. It's not wrong or anything like that. But it does suck in the fact that we – I think we all were almost positive it was going down to Utah, nail-biter finale, and now it's not quite that exciting. It's uh, – I, I mean, Kenny – disagree totally with that guy. Yeah. Uh, Kenny um, Kenny wrote terrific. And I guess that shouldn't be a surprise, being European and being good in the mud, but uh, – uh, it was ugly, and he got that start in the first moto, and he took off. And to Dungey's credit, he worked up from, you know, uh, five, six, seven. Oh, by the way, what about that track cut on the opening laps uh, by Dunge? I, I'm okay with that, I guess. He he might have ate crap had he tried to come back in when he was sliding off. But he re-entered the track where behind where he was, where he went off it. So that's okay, I guess. Right, Weege? I mean, how do we feel about that? Yeah, I think he's okay only because he actually had a pretty good start. Like, I think mm-hmm. he was third or fourth as he was going off the track, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't think – it's not like he was eighth, and then when he got back on, he was in fourth. It was almost the other way around. Yep. I, think. I think he lost a few spots. And that's pretty much always the rule, right? As long as you don't gain – if you lose even one position, you're yep. pretty much justified. Um, but, man, was he about to go over the bars. Oh. It just shows you on these mud races, that's the problem. Like, you're off that main line, and then you're in two feet of mud. Yep. And even on a factory 450 wide open, it almost sent him over the bars. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crazy. What do you think, what was wrong in the second moto? I mean, I think the first moto, like, he jumped in, you know, eight, nine, worked, rode a terrific race, uh, got into second, rode great, only lost three points. You know, it was the best case scenario for Dunge, seeing as how Kenny got the whole shot. And in the second moto, just nothing really happened. Just sort of rode around. I think it's a crapshoot either way uh, in, in in mud like that. Like he said in the second moto, he and this I guess the problem. You know they do track maintenance to try to fix the track up, but then that means you're just looking at dozer tracks and you don't know what's a hard spot and what's actually just goop. So he said in the first lap he just rode through a section and thought everything was fine, and the next thing you know he just stopped mm-hmm. and everybody passed him. But I think once you're back there eighth or ninth in a mud race. You either get lucky and you pass some dudes without getting roosted, or you get roosted. You know, you could have yeah. 100 races and it'd probably go 50, 50 ways one way and 50 ways the other. So I think you just saw it. Yeah. Yeah, bummer, bummer deal for him. Uh, and see, if you were further out than I was, I mean, you know, we're watching on TV. We don't get that wide view. Like, he just wasn't really making up a ton of time, I guess. Chase? Chase? No, no, he wasn't. Um and it, even looking at his lap times, he would go, you know, he'd drop down to where the leaders were, and then all of a sudden he'd have a lap where it was like, 
you know, six seconds behind what Roxanne or even the guys behind them like Noreen and uh, whoever else was there. So it really just kind of he'd be good, and then for three laps he'd be terrible, um, and then he'd be good again. So it seemed to me anyways that he couldn't really ever find a, a rhythm or, you know, any kind of consistency in that second moto. Well, also, too, you know, as much as you really think about all four motos, there wasn't a ton of passing. Because you couldn't get too far either way off the track. You couldn't – you wanted to avoid the roost to save your goggles, and, and there wasn't a ton of passing. It wasn't really easy to uh, to pass guys. A lot of the 450 guys just sort of followed each other around. So, you know, it was one of those deals. And we never – Trey Kennard won the second moto in a, in a great ride, but I don't think this answers his suspension question, Wygant. I don't think we really know yet. No. I mean, he. the only thing I could say that's a little different – uh, for Kennard was that you could see in both motos he was going for it. Like, he he just seemed to be riding like a guy that thought, I can win this race. And I've got to think that that's still residual of liking the bike more or mm-hmm. winning a moto last week. I yeah. mean, the first moto, he was pretty fast. He, just like what Roxon did in moto two, he was in second and he made a mistake. But it looked like Trey was in both motos trying to win, not trying to just stay up. Yeah. But in general, yeah, I don't think he could take too much out of it. But my question is, with these conditions... I know the start's always important in a mud race, and vision's always important. But, Mathis, didn't it seem especially bad, even for a mud race, as far as the vision, like the amount of guys getting goggles and stuff? No, I don't think – no, not compared no. to a normal mudder, no. No, I don't think so. Um, well, I that, that was going to touch on that. Maybe one of the fastest guys on the day, but he only got seventh overall, was Eli Tomac, and he pulled in early for goggles. Does anybody did anybody talk to him and find out if that was a strategy or if that was he was the first guy in for goggles both motos and it was on lap two or three? Did anybody figure out what was going on there? I haven't watched the race yet, so I never saw him, and I don't think anybody talked to him. But let me see what uh, he Geico actually does a good job explaining in their press releases. They're one of the best of all. Why do you write them? Is that why you're telling us? Or <laughs> what's that? Do you write them? Is that why? No, no, I don't. I don't. But uh, sometimes quoting press releases is completely useless. Yeah, the information's completely inaccurate or biased or whatnot. Yeah. But this dude that writes the ones for Geico, this guy Rob Geiger, you can tell he just literally calls the dude and just says, "What's up?" Right. Um, um, there's sometimes bad stuff in there. Um, but he stopped early. Yeah, he says, uh, "I had to pull off track in the first lap of Moto One. I just couldn't see it all." Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't, definitely wasn't a strategy. Yeah. So it looked like Tomac. Uh, he was certainly fast in the second moto too, but fell twice, I think, and stopped for goggles. So, um, why can't? No, I don't think it was any more worse than a normal mutter. You know, um, it's one of those things too. I, I, you know, I do some work for X Brand goggles, as most people probably know. Um, and the question of roll offs or tear offs was a big one. And Roxon made mention that he went with roll offs, and he thought all the people that went with tear offs were were dummies. Um, why would you go with tear-offs? Well, okay, here's the thing. If it's raining, um, roll-offs are the way to go, generally speaking. But it wasn't raining. So what happens if you run, ro- if you run roll-offs is the mud gets sticky, right? Now there's no rain, there's no water, so now it gets clumpy and dry and starts drying out and gets sticky. Well, if it sticks on your lens wearing roll-offs, there's nothing that's going to happen. You're going to just pull your string and the mud will still be there. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you pull tear-offs, you pull the whole clump, clump of mud off your your lens. So there's a real Wait, strategy. The, oh. the actual you know two-inch strip where the roll is doesn't actually get the mud off? 
No, because it's say, it, say it's larger than two inches, two inch strip. You know what I mean? Like say it covers, uh, say it's three inches. Say the strip is two inches and the piece clump yeah. of mud is three. Well, it's not coming off. It's well, gonna, this is the two inch strip is though. The, the no, the film will just move underneath it. The film won't take it off. What? Yeah, the film will just move underneath it, and it won't move because it's so stuck on your goggle. Wow, I always thought the huge drawback of roll offs just the narrower field of vision. Well, that of the whole lens, you only get the two inch strip. No, if no. You're saying if the mud is sticky enough, you can pull that string all you want, and it just goes under the mud, and it doesn't work at all. Exactly, and it seems to completely defeat the whole purpose of having a roll off at all. Well, that's why if it rains, though, it's good to have sure. roll off. It's raining, the mud is, is is soupy, watery, and then it's just going to hit your lens and fall off as you pull the as you pull the uh, the, the the string to get a clear vision field of vision. It won't be stuck on your goggle. But if it's yeah, that... the chance of it raining, let's put it this way. It can rain at any point during a day and you yep. can have mud. But you have to have that strange window where it just happens to rain during the time you're out on the track. You got a 90% chance of rain at some point during the day and a 10% chance that it's going to happen in the actual 30 minutes you're actually riding. It makes it sound like roll-offs are virtually useless. Mm, no, no, not at all. But it's a gamble. It's, it's, you really got to think about it, what you want to do. For example, uh, X-Brand guys, Norin and LeMay, ran tear-offs. I put a little duct tape um, visor uh, on top of the goggle frame to, to, so that water would not get... The big problem with tear-offs is water gets in between them and they're done. They're useless. Nothing you can do. So, yeah, that's, that's what I always think about. Well, yeah. but I put, so I put a little mud visor on um, to sort of go over top of the top of the tear-off so the water hopefully beads off the roll, the the little ramp that you build and falls onto the top of the tear off, right? Yep. And both of my guys ran twenty one tear offs with this visor. They never took their goggles off all day in either moto and had uh, had one or two tear offs left at the end of the day. So they're pretty pumped with their ch- with their choice to go with tear offs. But mind Ro- is blown here still. <laughs> but Roxon, you know, Roxon said that uh, going with roll offs was the way to go. But did Chase? Did you talk to anybody about that decision choice? Anything else? No, I, I really didn't concentrate on that, but I think this brings up another point, and I think, Matthew, if you even mentioned it on the Twitter feed Saturday. Uh, were you kind of surprised that Dungy didn't pull in for goggles? Oh, no, no. Uh, it I seemed like they went off pretty early. No, no, I meant just quit the race totally. That's what I meant. Oh, right, right. That makes sense. Um, no, let, that was kind of let, me, just, let me just clarify that, for people listening. So I tweeted, hey, Ryan's in between in behind four guys is eating their roost. Pike, Reed, Grant was right there. He had no goggles on. I tweeted out, hey, he's gonna, he's, this, is, this is going to be really tough to pass these dudes without goggles. He has none. Maybe he should pull in for some and regroup and go back at these guys with some protection uh, for his eyes. And his fiance Lindsay, replied, he would never give up. We didn't mean give up, just pull off the race. Just, oh, I can't do it. Just quit. We meant... Pull in for goggles and get some goggles and go back out. But she thought that Racer X, i.e. me, was saying that uh, I said maybe he should stop. No goggles. Maybe he should stop. She thought, just give stop. Up, bro. Just give up. Just Ryan Dungey's ridden off the track. I, I, did, <laughs> I did not mean that. And uh, so I was shaking He's my head. What's the point? Yeah, yeah, really, right? <laughs> um, I just meant stop, i.e. stop for goggles. But um, – I agree. That's tough to do, man. That's really tough to do. So, um, you know, oh, another thing, Kyle Cunningham, uh, the X-Brand rider wearing roll-offs, he had to pull in and get new ones. 
they were they were jacked up. They uh, just full of mud and water, and he couldn't see. So well, now you this roll off thing, which I'm still my my vision is now as clear as mud. Like, Am I not doing I a good job of explaining this? No, you did. Like oh, I just okay. can't believe through the years that no one has ever said it was always to me the only difference was narrower field of vision, but you got a whole lot more poles. So oh. the conditions are going to be nasty. Always run roll off. I had no idea of this. If the mud is sticky, the roll-off film might not actually grab the mud. Yes. Because uh, I was so confused. Why was I seeing so many guys have to get new goggles on the first lap? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you possibly go through 50 pulls of roll-offs? No, no. 21 tear-offs. They're just not working anymore. Lap. Yeah, they're just – and especially like, okay, so uh, in sand, you would always go with roll-offs because sand is not going to stick. You know what I mean? Yep. Wet sand, Southwick. We've seen some wet Southwick races. You go through all off sand's not going to stick. But that Midwest dirt, and and I grew up on it in, up in Canada. It's the same thing. It's 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 clay, and it gets sticky, and it does not. It just sticks, man. It doesn't move, and uh, it could go right over top of your eye. You could be pulling the lens, and the, the the clump of mud will still be there, and the film will just be going right underneath it. So it's not just that it has to rain. It has to be you have to actually know how the dirt's going to react when it gets wet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit of that, too. If you're in too. a looser, sandier soil, yep. uh, you're good. Yeah, so yeah. there was a gamble there. for, And I don't know what Dunge did. I don't, I'm not sure what he was running. Did Kenny take a little bit of a shot at him for running just tear-offs there? No, okay. I think anytime these people think these guys are taking shots at each other, I think Well, you know what I mean, though. Like, maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe the Fox, you know, they both wear Oakley goggles, so maybe uh, Roxon saw Dunge wear just tear-offs and was like, I don't know why guys would do that. I ran roll-offs. So. Why does it have to be Sylvie Dunch? Why doesn't he have to just say, like, they asked me if I want to wear tear-offs, and I think anyone wears tear-offs and mud is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It has to specifically be Dunge that he's saying that. Well, out. he's battling with the guy, and, and the guy had vision problems. The guy had no goggles. His main rival had to throw his goggles, so that's... Ah, I heard they're in the truck fist fighting. Ah. I'm not saying that. Choking each other out. Oh, here we go. Um, but... you, know what, uh, you know what I think one difference is with Dungey not putting the goggles on? I think you did see... That being an example of the, the, the desperation point that only he and Roxon would be in. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're Tomac and you're not in the points, Screw the it. goggles get roosted. Like, I'm sure Tomac, clearly he still wants to win and podium. He's been doing well. Mm-hmm. But you're probably err a little bit more on the side of caution when it really doesn't matter quite as much. If you're Dungeon, you're trying to get every freaking point and you're in eighth place and three dudes are in front of you, it would have to be really hard to pull off. You know, you right. must just be like, SOB, man. I'm down. I just have to just grip my teeth and just hope for the best. So, I can't pull off. I can't stop. Yeah. No, that's part of it. Um, so if yeah. if Roxon goes, if Dungey goes 1-1, Roxon can go 5-5 and still win this. Whew. I like Kenny's odds for, for winning his first title. And, and you know what? He rode terrific. He rode great. Um, um, just, I don't know, man. Just one of those things. Like, he... I get, obviously, he's good in the mud. He's European. They ride a lot in there. He, you know, he said he, he has good experience at it. He says he, he's good at it. And uh, But I always thought, I mean, to me, Dunge, Dunge is just so solid everywhere. You know, mud, sand, hard pack, track, t- t- track, uh, traction, whatever. So I wasn't really thinking that Dungey was going to have a bad day. So that's why that second moto was really surprising. Do you think um... – it was just starts for Kenny, or was he a superior? I would assume he's a superior mud rider to most of the people in that class. That's what I would think. But he also happened to get the starts, which we know were yeah, starts huge. are huge. Yeah. So, 
did it really mean like did we, can we really just say you know what he was a better mud rider and that's why he won the overall or is it like now nah, he just pulled two starts i think he's a better mud rider yeah, I, I do i would think yeah I, I would think so what do you think chase yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to say that considering this is the first mud race they've raced against each other, but it, it's hard to take away that European experience where it seems like every track over there at some point gets a ton of rain. So, you know, and he rode that for, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. So I would have to say you'd give him the edge, um, but I don't think anybody saw Dungey finishing ninth in the second moto. Well, did anybody see Ryan Sipes get third in a moto? Wow. GNCC, bro. Yeah. Wow, he did he did great. Good job for Sipes. I've I've been wondering yeah. I've been a little bit um underwhelmed by his return to moto because I mean I consider Sipes very good rider, very talented. The only thing that's really held him back over the years is a lot of injuries. I've always thought of him as, as you know, as a pretty great rider. And he came back, he's on he's on Millsaps' bike and, and uh, you know, he's got good support and he's got a good team and Sort of been underwhelming, but he did good last week. He put it together last week, and then this week a third. Uh, what do you think, Chase? Yeah, it, it was kind of surprising because he really came in really under the radar. I mean, he rode high point. I don't even think most people were really even expecting him to be there, and he did well. Um, so I thought, you know, everybody probably thought the same as I, we did that, you know, oh here's Sipes, he'll get, you know, he'll be battling with you know, the other guys for, you know, that five to 10 range and mm-hmm. just really never came together here and towards until the end. Um, so yeah, I would, I would have to agree. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, awesome until the past couple of weeks. Weed, you, you've quit the GNCC series, but you can't ever quit GNCC. So, oh, yeah. uh, Sipes has, you, you know, you, you follow this series a little bit and stuff. Sipes hasn't done that well. Hasn't been going that great. I'm really surprised, actually, how it's how it's changed, and I'm I, I starting to come up with a theory here. And I was talking to Jeff Russell, who is the the head honcho there at GNCC, and who was the main guy building this track, also because this is GNCC land. Um, like literally, this place has hosted a GNCC for 20 years. I've just been at this for three years building this motocross track. So I was like, man, I expected Sipes to be more up there. And uh, here's what I think the problem is: I don't think it's actually him. I think like any other of these sports, they just eventually get so specialized that it becomes almost impossible for a, an outsider-ish guy to jump in like they used to. It's the same thing that happened to Supermoto. You know, it used to be MC, Ward, whoever tried it was good. Mm-hmm. But then eventually you had Jurgen von Pretzel or whatever their names were that were just Supermoto riders. Yeah. And then Arena Cross has kind of become the same thing. Like, guys try jumping over, but Tyler Bowers grew up racing Arena Cross. It's hard to beat him. Well... Caleb Russell's the current champ. He literally was racing GNCC youth stuff 13 years ago, and he's only 24. So think about that. <laughs> like, yeah. He basically is like four years old and, you know, doing GNCC in the woods and then racing as soon as he was old enough to race it. I think it's just not like it used to be where a guy like Larry Ward or Mike Kudrowski or someone could just show up and they mm-hmm. know how to ride a bike fast. It's just too specialized. I don't know if it's really Sipes' deal. I wonder if anybody could do as well as we expect him to anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's been a tough go of him. Uh, Andrew Short did well. Not a not a good mud rider usually, but he was pumped. Well, he's always pumped. He's Andrew Short. But he was maybe extra pumped at his fifth overall. So Reed had his best race of the year. Um, and also uh, um, Josh Grant came from pretty much the JGR team. Uh, Brayton suffered a, a, a knee injury in the first turn of the first moto. 
So that was it for him. And Grant came around. So Brayton came around in 40th. Grant came around the first moto in 38th. And, but he rode really well to come up to 12th. And uh, then he had a good, strong second moto. So I guess, uh, Chase, bigger surprise for you. Shorts fifth or Reed sixth? Oh, Reed. I mean, Shorts been consistent all year. Yeah, but it's he's not good in the mud. Does. But the mud. Shorty's not. Eh, he's short, though. I mean, I don't know. He just figures out a way to get it done. I mean, right. Reed, as I think we all know, has just, you know, just not been Chad Reed this year uh, for whatever reason it is. And, you know, for him to come back in less than ideal conditions and, and really put in a strong ride, I think that's an overwhelming surprise compared to Short, who's been there. He hadn't, Short hadn't been outside the top 10 since Hangtown. So I don't. That really doesn't surprise me too much. But the mud. It's not good in the mud. Yeah, it's good this weekend. Oh, yeah. He was. <laughs> he was. Um, Frederick Norton stalled his bike or something coming coming off. He, they didn't put a uh, start hook on his bike for the second moto. Or he didn't use it, I should say. And he was just uh, going to try something new to try to get some weight on the back to uh, get a better start. Dig through the mud a little bit. And he stalled it or something. He doesn't really know. So he was basically last place coming off the gate in the second moto. And the the Swede charged all the way to eighth, passing Ryan Dungey with a couple laps to go. Great ride by Norrin. Man. Yeah, it really was. And, and not only did he just stall it, I mean, he was he was a good five to six seconds back in the last place guy yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think he got – and he must have passed – you know, I was out watching this. I wasn't really counting. But I think he passed like ten guys just that first lap. Um, I can tell you right now. I'll pull it up. Keep talking. Okay. Um, so, yeah, really great ride for him. And, uh, you know, he's another European guy. Obviously, he doesn't have the GP experience that, you know, Roxon does, but he rode the Swedish championships. Um, he rode that kind of stuff. So he's probably, you know, similar to Roxon in that he has that kind of rain, just nasty weather experience to kind of help him you know, get through races like this. 35 guys started Moto2, and Norn was 20th after one lap. What? Yes. 15 guys yeah. he passed on the first lap. So, goodbye Hard Charger Award, Norn. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Norn. But, uh, Norn, you moron. I literally well, hear every single year, we, are, we, can't, we can put a man on the moon. One of these years, they will invent the technology to have a transponder at the beginning of the lap, which then allows you to know something beyond what yeah. they did at the end of the first lap. Yeah, it's a little, little weird. Still waiting yeah. on this technology, I guess. <laughs> well, we finally got the the hometown right and all that, Weege. I mean, we don't have Earth anymore and, <laughs> you know, different countries and that's it, so... Um, you know, we, we're working on it. Hey, how about two? How about qualifying? Um, where the first 450 guys, the unseated guys, uh, they're, they're before the track got really bad. Uh, Austin Wagner second, Pro Shell, Chris Prochelle fourth, Todd Craig fifth, Cody Van Buskirk uh, sixth. Um, Weege, how excited do you think Stallo was at seeing all those guys in the in the top 15? Just freaking out, just. I'm not even sure if there is a, in, in that Stallo range. Like we said, that you know, ten right. to twenty five range. These guys These... are not in the top forty. Literally, that's why they're in that practice. <laughs> they're not in Stallo's range. Um, Whose range? I mean, you, 
I'm not, we don't want to make fun of these guys. Good, you know, good for them, and obviously they have pro licenses and they race nationals, which obviously means they're really good. But if you're not seated, that means you're, you know, not you're out well out of the what top forty? Yeah, is that what it's based on? Right. Mm-hmm. So this is the forty through eightieth range of a class. Good for those guys. Yeah, no doubt. And and Prochelle got fifteenth in the second moto. Um, Heath Harrison did well, but he's a, na- a little bit of a name guy. Craig uh, got seventeenth. Van Buskirk went nineteen twenty one. So these guys were good. They were good in the mud. Colton Eck, who's a California guy, though, twenty one twenty. Yeah, I think so. Wagner was like top fifteen for a while in uh, yeah. that first moto as well. I think he was like eleventh at one point. I was making the joke that like staging comes and like Wagner and Van Buskirk and Procell, they just go to the outside. They got all these gates open, you know, and they're just like, <laughs> uh, "We're gonna go out here." And the AMA's guy, "No, no, guys, you can start over here. This is you can start on the inside." No, really, seriously, you can start there. So, um, how about Weege? How about um, well, first of all, let's let's finish with Norin. I mean, this has been a great, terrific, fantastic story. He's been killing it, uh, but hard to see this guy get any kind of ride. From hard for me to see this guy get any kind of ride next year because of his lack of supercross skills, and it's a real damn shame. But that's that's where we're at. I think what it would come down to is if Honda had a hand in another effort. And unfortunately, I feel like that's one of the main things that got kind of cut in the uh, the recession a few years ago. Like, things have climbed back. Very much like the greater economic situation. At the top, things are looking pretty good again, right? Like, the factory teams are still there. The top riders still make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really changed is the middle where it was like, I mean, remember there was a time when Honda also was given bikes to say, Moto Triple X or, or yeah. Hart and Huntington when they first got started. I'm sure if Honda had an effort like that, like a, maybe a third-tier type effort, they'd be more than glad to, to help the guy out and give him bikes and parts. Because I think they really like him and they respect what he's done, but obviously he's not going to take Sealy or Canard's place on the factory team yeah. or Tomax. So they don't – what do you do? I'm sure they'd like to, but that option doesn't really exist anymore. If you're Norin and you can't get something decent for Supercross for the whole season, let's say – Maybe you just don't even race Supercross. I mean, I guess the guy's got to make a living. But um, maybe you just say, hey, I'm just racing 450 Outdoors, and maybe by that time, Outdoors rolls around, uh, maybe there's a free spot. Someone's hurt. Another top team. And, and you know, who who wouldn't pick this guy off what he's doing this 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 summer? Maybe that's a strategy, Weege. It's not a bad idea. Um, last couple of years, guys have done it. I feel like Tommy Hahn did that on purpose. Last year, I mean, he did intend to ride Supercross as a privateer Honda guy, and then he got hurt. But it wasn't much different. It was like he could have come back halfway to Supercross, and I think he knew he had a shot at that Honda replacement ride, so he just sat out. Yeah, um, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, you, you think of the landscape where we are in say December, and then where we are now. Like, who's hot? Who's not? Teams that need help, teams that are struggling, teams that are doing well. Yeah, it changes a lot. Nobody, so, n- nobody will. Well, not nobody, but very few people will remember Norin in December, November. Well, I just mean like teams seem full and they're they don't have a spot for them, and everything seems awesome in December. But yeah. stuff changes so much between then and May that it's definitely a possibility that all of a sudden, you know, somebody really needs a guy. Man, he's been good. Well, what oh, if yeah. uh, you know? Here's another thought. Um, do you think he gets calls from GP teams? Um, you know, he is a European rider. I know he likes it here and he wants to be here, but 
you know. Yeah. Money talks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, yeah. somebody's offering them a big ride over there. Yeah. Um, so that is an excellent point. Um, Chase Weston Pike didn't do one lap in practice. Not one. He was automatically seated in. I talked to his mechanic Tony Berludi. I said, "What? What? What is going on? Why didn't he do a lap?" And Berludi was like, "I don't know." He told me he was waiting for the track to get better. Um, yeah, it was really bizarre. Like I was right there, um, mm-hmm. where the announcer's tower is and I saw him come up and he was like, not a speck on him. And I think that was first practice. So right. you know, I figured he'd go ride second practice. Well, it was really weird because the AMA didn't realize that Noreen was top 10 in points. So I think at one point they had taken him out cause he was 40th and put Pike in. And then they realized that Noreen was top 10 and, they couldn't do that, and then I think they had to take the next guy out, or they let him right. I don't know, but I know at one point that they almost took Noreen out. What? <laughs> I mean, really? They didn't know this? They didn't know? They had no idea? That's what I heard. Okay. Yeah, that's what I heard from someone on that team. So, Okay. I don't know. It was, it was weird. Well, I always thought that there was 40. I thought that Pike got the 41st gate pick, but – no, he didn't get the 40th, 40th gate pick. Uh, they actually uh, kicked out, I believe it was Stryker. Let me look. Yeah, Michael Stryker. Um, Wait, so that's it? It's 40 or bust? Yeah, because there's only 40 guys in the lineup. So. Wow. So, Michael no Stryker. Qualif- the only reference we have to this is when Short's bike blew up at Southwick a few years ago, and he mm-hmm. did get in with that provisional. Um I thought he was 41st in that race. Yeah, me too. I could have swore. I thought I thought they put a 40. Like, there's always 42 gates, I think, on a, on a starting line. Um, wow. So Michael Stryker qualified 39th. But uh, because Norn was 40th, but he yep. can't get bumped. But Norn can't get bumped because he's top 10. Yep. Wow. So Michael yeah, Stryker, I, I saw Pike down there the whole time in the first practice session. I can't believe. And okay, the second session, the track was way worse. Only about eight guys went out. Nine guys went out, I think. And uh, the two KTM guys were two of them. But uh, um, yeah, it, very bizarre strategy. But in the end, uh, is there any conceivable scenario? Maybe there is. Just, just hear me out. Is there any chance that when it's raining and riders are riding in the first practice, that the track is going to be faster? In an hour? No, not I that I can think of. the reason that do get out there as yeah. soon as you can because it's just going to keep on raining and keep on getting worse. Like, why would he have thought the second practice would be faster? Or did he just never intend to really practice at all because he's just going to use a provisional? I don't know. That's a good cho- That's a good question. All someone would have to do on that team would be to pull up uh, the seated times, though, and then pull out the privateer seated times and be like, holy shit, the track's a lot faster and it's going to get worse. The track was never as good as it was the very first practice hit the track. No, and the second session for the 450s, I mean, they were, I don't know, 40 seconds slower than they were the first time around? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but even still, okay, so you're going to use the provisional, um, which is great, and no problem, that's cool. You're 40th gate pick, though. So wouldn't well, you? I heard a rumor, and I, maybe this was someone playing the game at telephone and they misunderstood. But somebody told me that they said, so what gate do we get? Eighth or wherever he is in points? Uh-huh. And they were like, no, you get the last gate. Use the provisional. I think they misunderstood the rule. The team did? Yes. I think, but again, this was, this was third hand that I heard this. 
But somebody said that the mechanic or somebody on the team is like, so what, do we, what gate pick do we get where we are in points, right? And then they're like, no, you get last gate pick. So maybe they thought all along, we're going to get the eighth pick anyway. Why well, bother? Which, read the rule book. That's something that I know a lot of teams fail to do. Well, certainly it looks like they thought that, judging by this strategy of not putting in one lap. <laughs> it seems like that they thought that that might be the strategy. But look, even still, without all that, uh, Pike goes 11-7, rides well, rides well to, to, to you know, cause he's a SoCal guy, and, and, uh, and that's a good job by Pike. But yep. bizarre, bizarre qualifying strategy by uh, Weston and his guys. I don't want to only rip on the RCH team for not necessarily knowing the rules, if that's really the case here, because, Mathis, you and I were in the Honda truck, the Honda Mosimo truck in Toronto, when people were trying to figure out what the deal with Villapoto was. Mm-hmm. And everyone, me, you, everyone else in that truck, thought for sure we knew what the rule was. And then Shane Drew or somebody from the team opened the rule book, which, by the way, was printed in December. Everyone was like, oh, you know they're changing that rule book today, Monster trying to help Villapoto. Well, Honda had the rule book that they put on the truck at Anaheim 1. They had never opened it, never read it for four months. And they read it and it was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> it all actually does make sense. Right, right. Whatever it was, the IV yeah. rule. Or yeah. the provisional rule. Right. None of the teams are really up on these things. It's not just RCH. Um, here's the cha- here's the part of the show where we get Chase Dollar to tell us what unheralded guys put in good rides. Ooh, tough one. Um, I think you got to look at. Uh, I think you'll like this, Mathis. <laughs> I think you got to look at Oldenburg, man. He was oh, uh, Oldenburg. He he was top what. Three to seven for, I think it was two laps to go, and his bike just grenaded. Uh, he couldn't ride the second moto, but, you know, and it wasn't just a mud race. I mean, he's been kind of creeping towards that, you know, 10, you know, eight to 10 range all, uh, since he made the change. So I thought yeah. he was good. Uh, um, Oldenburg was with four laps to go, eight. Eighth place yeah. with four laps to go, and then he disappears. Oh. Yeah, he bike blew up. Right. So I, I thought that was impressive. Um, you know, they always say mud's a great equalizer, but you know that was uh, mm-hmm. if you can run up there for that long, that's, that's yeah. impressive. No matter no, good job what the conditions are. I didn't know what happened oh. to him. It crashed your bike. Yeah, we were talking about him. I was doing a little bit of announcing again, once again, just killing it yeah. on the mic. But <laughs> hey, yeah, he uh, he put something out on Twitter. Their old Honda motor. What's that? And then it blew up on him. What'd you say? The Albertsons, since he's on, since Jimmy's on a KTM now, they gave or sold Oldenburg one of their old Honda motors. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what he was running when it blew up. Oh, I mean, it blew up because of the mud. It was like yeah. a crap motor, but right. that's how I knew the engine blew. It was uh-huh. their old engine. <laughs> Chaser, how about Jake Weimer too? Look, not not good. It's he is. I don't know. It, it seems like he's just in a downward spiral and just can't seem to get out of it. Um, and you kind of got to feel, you know, a little bad for the guy. I mean, it's not, he's not this bad. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that, but man, it's just, he can't, he can't get out of his own way. It seems like, um, but you know, especially in the contract year, it's probably not the, uh, it's the best time for this to be happening. No, no doubt about it. Um, LeMay, solid day for LeMay, 13-12. Uh, Killian Rusk, 15-14. Good job by Rusk. Shane Sewell. Um, and, and did you guys see, I don't know, again, I didn't watch the race, but we, did you cover the Metcalf thing in the second moto? 
Did you guys? No, I didn't know about that until I listened to your um, oh. pulp cast. Oh, you actually listened. Um, I did. It, it was it was gnarly. He he's in I don't know six or seven, riding pretty well. He gets he gets pushed off to the side of the track, and just gets gathered up in the slop. Right. He's he's pulling and pulling and pushing and pulling. He can't get his bike out. Finally, he starts it and just you know dumps the clutch wide open. Can't get out. Mud flying everywhere. He is stuck. And uh, bike smoking too, really bad. I'm like, oh yeah, here it goes, you know. And uh, he gets it going. Finally, a, a, a track worker helps him pull it out, and you know he's exhausted. I don't know. Both of you guys, I'm sure you've ridden in the mud like this, and there is nothing more. There is nothing more tiring than that. And uh, he was twice. I looked. He was 22nd after he he was lapped. He was down a lap and stuck there for that long, and he was 22nd. And I'm like, oh, this guy. And uh, and you knew he was exhausted, and then just 13th at the end. I just little things like that that I noticed that I'm like, tip my hat to him, you know. Um, that's pretty good. So it's one of those one of those things where I was like, I'm watching Metcalf. I, I see you. That's a good effort. <laughs> no, no one else is going to remember, but you went from 22 to 13th after being stuck in the mud and being exhausted. So that's why I liked your riding, Mathis. Oh yeah, you know, you know. Huge fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'll never forget that day. Um, all right, let's take a commercial break and touch on 250s, or does anybody else have anything for 450s? I'm good. Uh, all right, btosports.com. Use the code PulpMX at checkout at btosports.com to save yourself some money. And, uh, of course, foxhead.com 2015 stuff is out now. Kenny Roxon wore 2015 Fox stuff to, uh, to dominate Indiana. And uh, without JT on the line here, there's going to be no snide remarks. So that, that's good, too. And uh, uh, also listen to this commercial from Race Tech to save yourself money on suspension because I guarantee you, you guys listening to this, you need some suspension work. And we'll be right, right back here. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Race Tech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb. Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Race Tech Suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Race Tech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Race Tech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Race Tech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Foxhead.com, Indiana Wrap-Up. All right, let's move to 250s. Um, first off, Jesse Nelson. Jesse Nelson, where did that come from? Oh, California guys, mud, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, NorCal guys, they're good in the mud. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, and uh, did anybody talk to him after the race? Yeah, he was in the press conference. Okay, what was yeah. the deal with the second moto? What did he say? Because he looked like he was going to go 1-1. Yeah, he said he just made – he kind of messed his goggles up, and then he made a mistake, and then mm-hmm. then he went down. I guess he went down at one point in the roller. Yeah, yeah, he went down. But yep. at one point his goggles got screwed up. 
sound familiar like everybody else. <laughs> well, not the expat um, guys, but, you know. But he said he hardly ever rides in the mud, but he's always liked it. Right. Uh, that was impressive, man. Yeah, that was good. He was not far away. If he was 20 minutes away from going 1-1 on the day and just, just laying it down. Um, Muskan, great. Savachi, uh, you know, first of all, Chase, there's a spot open on that team in the 250 guys. Um, they got Osborne, they got Davalos on their 250 guys, and they want one more guy. And I was talking to the owner, Bobby Hewitt, a few weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, Joey's in the run, and we're, 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 we're watching him. Well, I think that was at Millville. And since then, the guy's never been out of the top ten, and he went four three this weekend. I think Savachi's. I would look for him to go go back there. That's he's been really impressive lately. Yeah, he really has. And you know, we were kind of talking about it after the race that you know Bobby really likes to stick with his guys. Um, he stuck with Anderson when Anderson, you know, that rookie season where they had to send him home, and it you know just didn't look like it was going to click for him. And you know, they stuck with him, and he ends up bringing him a title. Um, I don't know. If, Sabachi's going to be that good. I don't think anybody is. He's only, you know, he's been out a lot. Um, this is only his second season. So, you know, I think he's done enough. You know, I think we'll see. But, you know, he's been good. And it mm-hmm. just wasn't this race. Um, he's kind of quietly been one of the better riders in the second half of the season. What do you think, Wage? Sabachi, pretty impressive lately. Yeah, I don't see how you could let the guy go. Obviously, he's young, so there's mm-hmm. there's, there's potential there. And like Chase said, I mean, heck, I think Bobby Hewitt has regretted not being able to figure out a way to keep Sipes on that team all year until he figured out a way to get Sipes back on the team. Mm-hmm. So he does not like to leave guys in the ditch if he doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, Muskan won, not surprising. Uh, and Purcell, I thought Purcell would, would you know, definitely either win or podium um, with the mud. And I don't know, first moto, did he go down the first turn? Was that he where- was in the pits. I'm, calling, I'm like half up. Like, a minute into the first moto, he was in the pits getting goggles. Yeah, and then did you see when he was there? Like, it was very casual. Yeah. It was a very casual pit stop. Do do do. Maybe gloves, goggles, I don't know. And then he came from, you know, 40th to 9th. And second moto was all over Muskan for most of it and finished second. But uh, you knew the Purcell would be good. There's no doubt. Um, I know you've been saying all year that it seems like he tries extra hard when he's around Muskan. Those last couple laps. I heard a bunch of people say, man, that's the hardest I think I've seen Purcell ride all year. He really wanted to pass him to get that moto win. Mm-hmm. Now, is that just to get a moto win, or is that just because I don't know. I heard after Washugo, I think I heard this weekend, um, I forget who it was from, but someone who would know said that after Washugo's second moto, when he just went from 1st to 15th and kind of just rode around, and obviously there was some sort of issue, some sort of problem, I heard that he really got ripped into by uh, team owner Chad Lanza. So, really? Yeah, like very, like lots of yelling, not happy, wasting money, wasting everybody's time, et cetera, et cetera. Hard to think that being yelled at for Purcell would be a motivator. He might do the opposite because he's kind of beat, he does a march to his own uh, drum, but um, and he's been good. And he's uh, 40th to 9th, and I mean, a distant 40th. Like, see you later, In I'm so far back, it's ridiculous, 40th. So, good ride mm-hmm. by him. Yeah, and this is kind of off topic, but is France not just kicking themselves for having those two guys? I mean, would they not be the favorite going into the designations well, with I, those two guys and I, Pauline? This may come as a complete shock uh, to, to anybody listening to this, but uh, Purcell has butted heads with French team management. 
And uh, I don't know if he'll ever be there again after, I guess, after St. John Angeli when he was on the 450 and um, had some problems or some issues. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, just one of those things where, you know, he's butted heads with people and it's they've said, okay, we don't, it's not worth the trouble. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you, Chase. Uh, put, put, put Porcel on the big bike, Muscan on the little bike, and team with Paul in on the big bike, that's pretty good. Or the other way around. I mean, I don't know what Valley or Yamaha would be able to put together, but, you know, whatever bike Muscan needed, K-10 would make that happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, put Muscan on a 350 or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Pretty good, pretty good team. So Jeremy Martin wins the title um, in the first moto. Yeah. How many minutes are we into this show? We are 50 minutes. Wow. Congrats, J-Mart. Congrats to J-Mart. <laughs> um, it's pretty surprising. Good job by him and the team. Chase and I were talking this morning. Uh, it's been a real year of leveling the playing field of these 250 classes. Think about this. These other teams have really, mm-hmm. you know, you know, even Troy Lee getting a moto win and, and Rockstar and Supercar, like, these teams are no longer – you can't figure this class out anymore like it used to be, one or two teams at best, or sometimes just one. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had a you – know, I remember a couple of years out, outdoors, we just, it was just Geico and Pro Circuit Show, top five every week, you know. So yep. um, you're right. Uh, Rockstar gets the uh, gets, gets a Supercross win. Geico gets a, uh, a Supercross title. And now Yamaha gets the an outdoor title. So – and like you said, um, you know, this weekend we had a – we had I was thinking this weekend, KTM went 1-3-4 in 450s and 1-2 in 250s. Pretty good job by them. Wow. It's almost like they're good, yeah. really good in the mud in the treacherous conditions. Oh, they're enduro bikes deep down inside. That's what I'm saying. Deep, John in, Penton. In, right, in, in the roots. Come a long way from Kelly Smith winning in the mud. <laughs> oh, Who can forget? Um <laughs> Look, uh, but anyway, back to J-Mart. And then his second moto might have been the most impressive moto he ran all year where, well, maybe not. But, look, he, no. he, he, he went down. He was stuck there. He couldn't start his bike. Picked it up pretty much five seconds in front of Muscan, the leader, coming around to lap him. And then he goes out, and he was the fastest guy on the track for like two or three laps in a row. And he never ended up getting lapped. And made it all the way back up to, uh, to 15th. So, um, pretty good job in a second moto by him. You know, so. I know we've been talking about it a lot, man, but where does this rank in the unlikely oh, yeah. champions? Like, no one was predicting it before the year began. Well, like, literally nobody. I think Steve Lampson said that he thought J-Mart would win Glen Helen, but I don't know if he was thinking title. I, I wrote about it in my observations last week. Like, yep. Ivan Tedesco in 05 was probably a lot like Jay Martin, where he was, uh, you know, on a good team, good bike, but very unlikely champion, you know. And then, man, I went back further, and I had got to go with Mike Krodowski in 89. Where you were like, okay, he's factory Honda, but he's also, you know, uh, number 762. And, you know, he's just a kid with his first factory ride. So it's, it's one of the more unlikely uh, scenarios in, in, in champions, for sure, without a doubt. And then even Cooper Webb. I mean, Cooper Webb was consistently a second-place guy, and he's going to get second in the points. Um, well, not really. There's a good battle going on. But both those guys, this took it by storm. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we all predicted Star to go one two. Always, <laughs> always, right, right. I mean, well, and, and I'll say this with with Jeremy, it's I think it's even more impressive of where he came from at Supercross. Um, we talked to him a couple times then, and 
you know, he was really down. I think he was maybe not questioning his ability, but, you know, just questioning a lot of things. You know, you're a young kid. You're you're not probably living up to expectations. You know, a lot of pressure. And then, you know, the kid hasn't, hasn't really changed much. I mean, he's pretty much – you talk to him after he wins the championship or you talk to him after he doesn't qualify for a Supercross, you know, you're probably going to get the same demeanor. Um, you know, he's just a real kind of down-to-earth, humble guy, and I think that's probably helped him – get through these times where it was times where it was like, you know, everybody was kind of worried about it. Um, so I, I think that makes it even more impressive. Yeah. yeah. Did Chase just use the term? Eh, I something about J-Mart, man. Right. The yeah. Matthews guy and, and now Chase. Dalo. Um, um, uh, here's the point I want to make about that Supercross cross deal. It's like what I feel is getting forgotten in history. I'm now hearing people say, well, yeah, he didn't qualify for those two Supercross. No. He was slow. No, yeah. He was straight, straight up not going fast at those first two races. Like, yeah, he did have crashes and stuff in the heats, but it wasn't like he was third in qualifying and then riding. It just wasn't bad luck. I'm going to even find here Dallas overall best times. No, exactly. I mean, look at like a, a guy like Bichelia was also in the LCQ four or five times and made it through and, you know, rose to the occasion and came through and got a start or whatever. <laughs> like J-Mart crash in the heats and, you know, but he wasn't riding that well anyways. And even the weeks after the first two weeks when he was putting in the main, he was only getting sevens and six in the heats. Like it was, he just wasn't riding well. He was making the main at least, but it wasn't a lot yeah, going it was on. Eighth and eighth and 14th in the qualifying of those first two. Like, right. Okay. eighth's not horrible. I mean, you should make right. the main, no doubt. But like I said, it wasn't like after qualifying, you're like, oh, he's just as fast as anyone else. Yeah. Oh, no. and then he had problems. Like, nothing, nothing, nothing like this at all. No, no doubt. Unbelievable. Um, um, yeah, like Chase said, man, awesome job. And the consistency and keeping his attitude clear, like, even though he had never dealt with this before, really well done. Yeah, yeah. I called it, man. A long time ago, I saw something in the kid. <laughs> yeah. We all we caught the tape, too. So. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Baggett, 14-4. Uh, uh, so, going into Utah, let me ask you guys this. And I asked Cooper Webb this after the race, and I said, do you even really care about second of the points? And he said, I do. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. Uh, let's, next week, we're going to have a humdinger. And I just said, used the word humdinger. Um, seven points. Muscan is Spaggett, who's second. Webb's third. Two-pack of, of uh, Baggett. So we got to we got so we, we get it. Man, it's kind of impressive that Musk has kind of snuck up in there. I mean, he wasn't even close in the beginning. Um, you know, he's obviously <clears throat> the hottest rider right now, yeah. the hottest rider right now. Yeah. together. You know, I think Webb, I think I'm going to go with Webb. I think he, I think it probably, not saying it, saying it that, you know, he's in his second year, year, he really, that he can be the top guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he's probably a little more motivated. So, yeah, I'll go with him. What about is Cooper Webb Blake Baggett showdown happened last year? Cooper Webb Blake Blake move over and oh that was yeah Elsinore. that was Elsinore. oh Elsinore. Yeah, I okay. forgot that, I forgot all about that history yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there was there was something there was there was something to be what also started something because then Baggett was <laughs> seeming um, ride dirty yeah Baggett's yeah Baggett's seemingly hurt Webb for some reason uh, yeah but and that, just out of respect to any racer I don't think anyone just does it for no reason, right? Well, that was the same race that 
Baggett just did a burnout on Sinser, on Sinser. I think he was just angry, like Chupacabra. Very angry. You <laughs> didn't like these young kids. I'm going to no. take them out one by one. Yeah. Uh, also, too, um, uh, we talked about this a little bit, I think, all between Wilson and Martin, Amart. They were tied going into Indiana, and they tied in points again. Both guys rode wow. great. So there is the battle for 10th overall. And I know Amart wants it. I doubt Dean really cares. But, um, so, I mean, Chase, you've got the Alex Martin story. So. I did. It was tough to track down, but I got it. <laughs> right, right. Good luck. Good luck. I know he's very elusive after the race. He's never around. I mean, he's usually out of there, man. He's, so yeah. I'm glad we got to get him once this year. Yeah, him and Filthy. So Yeah. Um, but like you said, no, I, I think Alex really wants it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Alex rode well. 7-7, seven, seven, man. Good job. He did. And it brings another point up that uh, we got a battle for 10th in the 450 class between uh, Reed and, and Frederick. Um Oh. that I think, you know, Freddie really wants. So Again, we'll see how that kind of plays out, too. Let's call Chad and see exactly where he stands on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure Chad is, is losing sleep over it this week. Yeah, Chad's one point up on Norrin. So, um, it's funny how this stuff, yeah. Like, remember Weege? Remember, remember I was getting the battle for fifth and the points going? Um, well, you trying I'm trying, to get going yet. trying to get going. <laughs> Weimer and Short last year. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we're at staging at Elsinore. And they're parked next to each other waiting to go out. They both pretty much said, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. To each other. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. Big battle, boys. Fifth overall at stake. And they're like, you're an idiot. I don't care. So. Yeah. You can have it. You can finish fifth. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Tomac is, uh, geez, I don't think Tomac's going to get Metcalf now. Because. No, we can work out good for Metcalf. Yeah. Uh, Metcalf put some points on him. Yep. So, wait, did he? No, he did not put points on him, but he only lost. Hold on. he. I'm not good at math, remember? But he only lost. Wait, hold on. We can look at the results. No, he lost five points. So, uh, he is um, 23 up on Tomac for fourth overall. Eh. Eh, it's going to be close. It could be close. Do, do we see the number seven this weekend? No. Nope. Uh, I have my doubts. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> Good luck in the recovery. Good luck in the yep. recovery. From what we don't know, but, but he is recovering. Um, hey, yeah, Nick, for more information, uh, yeah, who knows? I, I did. You see know what? The, I will. I will say this though. He still drives to meter, man. It, that was like our eighth most popular thing. Just a PR of him not racing Indiana last week. So, yeah, he's mm-hmm. still he's still a big name. So, we each go ahead. That's what, bizarre. What were you gonna say? Well, his, uh, his truck driver, the truck driver for the team, for Yoshimura Suzuki, uh, Shane Nally, ironically, Mike Kodrowski's mechanic in mm-hmm. 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now the truck driver for Yoshimura Suzuki. He lives in Indiana, so he was at the race hanging out. And he said it is week to week as far as he knows. Like, each week he's, you know, on like Wednesday, he's got to decide. He just keeps the truck there in Indiana because it's fairly central to this national going to Unadilla. And then he said, here he's got to head west, and he doesn't know yet if he's going straight back to the Suzuki shop in California or headed to Salt Lake City. So it's not – I think most of us think, like, oh, they just know they're done. But as far as the rig is concerned, yeah. Um, well, to give you an idea, they drove it out west for Rashugal, didn't use it there, did a bike intro in California, and he drove it all the way to Indiana to be ready to go to this race and Unadilla. So right. the, the team at least is operating on a week-to-week, we-could-be-back basis. Um, 
Aldridge did well again, 16-12. You know who didn't do well was the entire Geico team. Uh, Osborne blew up two motors. Did did Hampshire blow both up, or did he? He got he got stuck in the mud that second moto. He okay. I think it was the second moto. Yeah, he just couldn't even get his bike out. He right. was just done. Yeah, uh, and Osborne blew up. Um, Bogle, twelve nine. Um, so tough day for the Geico Honda guys. Uh, Aldridge though sixteen twelve. Nick Gaines. Who the hell's Nick Gaines? Amateur. Just turned yeah. pro. Okay, got 11th in the first moto. Team Green Rider. Okay. So, I didn't know he was racing this weekend until I saw him in, in practice. But, does, hey, good job. Does he have burger on the back of his pants? Gainsburger? Gainsburger? Uh, yeah. I have no idea. No? Okay. Hey, Cole Martinez got 13th in the first moto. And in the second moto, he was up there, and I think he blew up his bike. He would have had a good day. Privateer Cole Martinez. Remember him from Supercross? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, when I see the name, I'm like, oh, Cole Martinez from Supercross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what else? Uh, Osborne had a terrible day. Lemoyne had a bad day. Cunningham had a bad day. Cunningham's not going to be at Utah either. He's got a bad thumb again, and and uh, Kyle Peters' rig isn't going out to Utah, so they're not, they're done for the year. Kyle Cunningham is done. So, um, McElrath, fifteen eleven, Seeley ten thirty. I thought Seeley did pretty well. I didn't, you know, he's not a mud guy. I made a joke even on Racer X Twitter feed about noted mud specialist Cole Seeley. Uh, so ten thirteen is good, you know. Good job by him. So um, Anderson was five ten, and he probably would have done a lot better. But at first lap, he dug his front end in and ate crap. So that was it for for that. So it was oh, just one yeah, of the, that was an awesome crash. Yeah, one of those That's days, man. Like. Uh, you know, we saw uh, Savachi and Nelson uh, second and third overall, and, and Kenny dominate, and Sipes get third. Just a mutter, man. And these things happen in mutters. You know what's fun to watch in that second moto was the, just the juxtaposition between the two kids who were leading with Nelson and Savachi both going for their first, you know, mm-hmm. podiums or moto wins or overall wins, riding like crazy. I mean, I couldn't even count the amount of mistakes Savaji made, and he just clutched it and grabbed a handful yeah. and kept her going. Uh, and I mean, Nelson, just anytime you watch Nelson ride, he just looks aggressive. Then you have the two French guys who were probably just sitting there like, what are these two doing? <laughs> and they were right. keeping up. They were like, you know, out of the roof zone. They were staying like 10 bike lanes back. And those two were just going at it. I don't know how many near crashes Savaji had. Just because he wanted to win, like he was riding hard and it was mm-hmm. difficult conditions, and it was finally like, okay, we will pass them now. Yeah, no, it it literally <laughs> seemed like either they hit the wall, the kids hit the wall, or the Frenchmen were like, okay, time to go, you know, because it was just it was just see you later, just I'm gonna. Yeah, it was just the, the contrast in styles, like those mm-hmm. guys. You know, I, I'm sure even Porcel, actually, Muscan said the first moto he. Try, he was trying to be conservative all day, and he said he was too conservative in the first moto, and next thing you know. Nelson and Martin were gone. Mm-hmm. So it can backfire for sure, but it worked out perfectly that time. You know, they have, um, if you're not from America, they, on the, on the sheets, they put hometown France, you know, uh, Scotland for Dean or whatever. Or, or if you're from America, they put your town and your, your state. But um, Mike Stender, who seems, seems like an American name, he went 1719, and all it says is Uton, E-U-T-I-N. Is that a country? Uton. If you go by the other listing, E U T I N. E U T I N. But no, uh, no state. Not a country. No state. Um, Weege, guess who went twenty twenty in two fifty class? 
perfect vision. From Wall, New Jersey. Yeah, I was pumped, man. He was even got some TV time. We're talking Dakota Kessler here, correct? Yep. Got some TV time because someone was coming back through. I think it was uh, Martin, mm-hmm. I think, in one of the motos. Had to battle him a little bit. And I checked in with the old man there. Oh, yes, after. you did. Yes, you did. Oh, yeah. I checked with him before practice. And I'm like, oh, you love these conditions. He's like, nope, never loved it, even though I did good in it. Now, you'd but, never spoken to Mickey, the Mick, until really. till like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, now it's a weird thing. I have no idea if he just thinks like, oh, that's a guy from Racer X and he's at the races, so he kind of knows who I am mm-hmm. my son races. I don't know if he knows anything beyond that. Right, he doesn't know Flagman, doesn't know any of that. Yeah, I did when I was like seven meet him in Englishtown one time. Oh, okay, maybe he remembers I that. I was like, there he is, yeah. you can talk to him. You know, because like, you know, it is at the local races. It would be no different than like you get Trey Kennard's autograph at a Supercross. Like the fans kind of mingle their way over to the fast guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This the, is when. Uh, who who was the uh, who was the flagger in the full suit hazmat suit? Ultimate. Okay, there we go. Talk to the Mick about Ultimate one time. Maybe just kind of like jog his memory. Be like, well, hey, I'm uh, not sure. Like then, the, oh. the, ten years or so later, I was back at the flagger. Mickey was out. He wasn't racing anymore. Uh, he, he was doing some, like, local dirt track car racing for a while. But he would come back for, like, say, once a year. He'd come back on, like, a 1992 CR500 <laughs> and still haul ass. So Mick was done by then. I didn't realize that. I thought he always... He had, a, he had a period where he retired and was racing dirt track cars. Oh, okay. Still doing the suspension thing, I yeah. assume. But he would still come back on a 500, and it was crazy how fast he would go. And I was like, that's the difference seeing someone who was just not scared of, like... Started the straightaway, mm-hmm. you just turn it wide open and pretty much coast the rest of the way and blow by, dude. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a real warrior like Mickey Kessler, you can do that on a CR500. You should um, mortals can do the same. To try to jog his memory and maybe get him you know, to know who you are. Just be like, so uh, talk to Ultimate lately? Or, you know, what's Ultimate up to? Earning well, it. what I wonder is, you know, we're talking about this Purcell-Muscan combo. Mm-hmm. I should ask Kessler about Barry Karsten. There you go. I have no idea if they've ever raced or crossed paths or if they're, like, enemies. I mean, I've gone over this. We're going way off the rails here, but I've gone over you many times. Yeah. No one from New Jersey likes Springsteen and Bon Jovi. Yeah. It's one or the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in New Jersey motocross, it's Kessler or Karsten. Nobody likes them both. Yep. What kind of man Clearly are you? Clearly one is better than the other, depending yep. on what side. It's Cooper Webb and Cincerulo. What kind of man are you? I'm a Kessler man. I'm a Karsten man. It totally is yep. that. Yep, yep. Man, Barry's leading points in Supercross. He never finished top ten in National Series. <laughs> Mickey did that three times. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, Chaser, what else you got? What else? I think I'm good. I don't really have hey, too much. Person, you got anything on him? Well, t- t- tell me a little bit about Gavin Cadlick, Chase. Uh, Staples, Gavin Cadler. Staples, Minnesota. He's a, uh, he's a good kid. Um, <laughs> I think he did qualify this weekend. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never even heard of that guy. Well, you're you're, usually, you're our guy for these type of guys. So, well, see, you're going way off my I radar, know. man. I I mean, know. You know, when we do the privateer profile, um, it's usually a guy, a privateer that's done well, or you know, has done well for a long time, or mm-hmm. you know, maybe he was a big amateur rider. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, they race one national year, or mm-hmm. you know, it's you know. It's kind of uh, hard to know those guys. For people, um, for people who are wondering, Jimmy Albertson had bike problems in both motos. Jimmy's outdoor season is staggering to the finishes. He's, cool. he's like a, dr- a tough drive to Utah. He is like a, a drunk at a bar. You know, he's good around the early season and 
But now it's closing time, <laughs> and it's time to go. And Albertson's getting drunker and drunker each week. Uh, you know, which means just, towards the end of where the bar is closing. You know, they're they're still enjoying it, I guess. Oh, uh, they are, but it's at this point, yeah, but. it's a rough finish for for the '77, oh. no doubt. Um, I went to dinner with him on Saturday night, and his dad was there, and uh, we were telling all these different amateur stories about different dads who would like beat the shit out of their kids when they didn't win motos. <laughs> yeah, and his dad's like, "Nah, I never did that, man. Never did that. Never yelled at the kids for results." And I was like, "Well, there's your whole problem." Yeah, yeah. That's everything right there. That's everything. And then Jimmy and Greg are laughing. They're like, oh, he yelled at us for grades or grammar mistakes in school, but he never yelled at us for our results. And the dad's like, I'd rather have 20th than have him smiling and beat the shit out of someone just to win. Well, there's your problem. And I'm like, well, there's your problem. Here's a number. Yeah. Here's, mistake. here's a number. It's 1-800. Call this guy. Ask him how that went. Uh by the way, too, they didn't win the Canadian title. Oh, they didn't win it, and mm. I, I don't know what's next. But I'm scared. It's, I hear he's going back to Canada. <laughs> I think he, I've been told. I think they are, but yeah, I think it's kind of a done deal. Like so, he, uh, you know, Billy Rainford, who runs Direct Motocross, said, "Yep, it's done." Told me last weekend. They coming back. Broke a header pipe. They ran out of gas. A grip fell off. I think I'm uh, DQ uh, five spots for a track cutting. The Canadian series, though, they should probably write them a check. Here you or go. The North American series. The North American series should write them a check because yeah. you got us on Racer X. We're all over Vital MX every week. <laughs> Here you go. It is getting talked about, and especially they brought along Freeze as well, which, yep. as you know, that is. Uh, <clears throat> Been a been a side of its own as well. So yeah, yep. um, X brand goggles, both of them too. By the way, <laughs> point that out. <laughs> uh, you were not building them out of that. <laughs> no, no, I was not not building them. Um, okay, anything else on the? Hey, BT- that's the perfect test because Genova's whole point was we'll finish. We finished second in the nationals behind Ryan Dungey and didn't get anything out of it. So I think they purposely sandbagged to get the exact same second. And see, you know, how it compares. Because he said the problem was they got second and they didn't get any additional factory support, right? Yeah, nobody seemed to, yeah, nobody seemed to so care. So to make it a fair test, they had to get second again. Uh-huh. And then we'll see if the floodgates open. Excellent strategy, if so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we all think Roxon's got this, right? I mean. He hasn't finished worse than fourth in a moto all year, right? Right. And even that's what, twice? Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. Uh, oh, big changes for Utah this weekend, too. I've heard from a couple of guys. I don't know how they knew, but I think Reed was one of them. Oh, yeah, Chad was one of them, telling me uh, telling me about how the big changes in Utah. He's looking forward to the track. So I don't know what they did. Do you guys know anything? Uh, yeah, actually, their uh, MX Sports is going to release a video on it pretty soon. But, yeah, they made a lot of big changes. So uh, oh, okay. I think it was going to be a lot better than it was last year. So, How, yeah. uh, how about uh, Chad just hanging out after the races, Wygant? Like just broing down because he did well, so he was happy. So, yeah, it's a Chad Reed way, man. We've seen it bizarrely how regular he can be at times. <laughs> right, you know? right. Just... I mean, he was there so late. I actually turned back around 
and said, oh, well, he's here. I might as well ask him something else. Yeah. And then they were watching, you know, one guy trying to get the van out of the mud, the other guy trying to get the motor home out of the mud. Hey, by the way, what happened to Burner? Did he just – did he not qualify or just not ride? Qualified, crashed in practice. practice. Yeah, he qualified uh, – let me see what he qualified. But uh, crashed uh, in early in the practice and some dude landed on him. Oh, jeez. Mm. So Burner was – I don't think he qualified. I don't think he had the time to. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah I thought I he, didn't. Think, I he was he like forty fifth or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, he did not qualify. Forty seventh, right? He crashed and somebody landed on him and called it a day. So he had done a lot of work to even get it up there, and his van broke uh, on the way up there, and his mechanic and Mike and they they put a lot of work into just getting there, and then it just turned into just a shit show. Just so <laughs> that's yeah. not good. Um, they won't have. They, I'm telling you though, it's unfortunate. Whenever Chad Reed retires, and this could be ten years, but <laughs> it, it's just not going to have another guy like him, man. It's really going to be missed. I mean, you want to get the real lowdown on how things really work, and be- between how experienced he is, how smart he is, and how outspoken he is, and I feel like nowadays pretty unbiased, which is really hard to find in a guy at his level. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it'd just be really too bad to not have a guy like that around. To you know, you and I've you know. Talk to him, whatever. Got to pick his brain a few times this summer, and you learn a lot. Uh, it's going to be a bummer when he's not on the inside anymore. Or maybe he never will be. Maybe he'll just be racing at age 50. Well, you made that joke to him, Wygan, about how he's just going to outlast Tomac now and everybody. Just You've already done the – you've outlasted RC, and, and, and Stu is on the verge, and you're just going to keep wearing these kids so we down. Villapoto. We're like, yeah. Oh, Villapoto, right. Villapoto's yeah. potentially going to retire before you. Yep, you're just wearing these kids down. Yeah, what about Tomac and Roxon? Can you outlast him? <laughs> yeah. He has got to be, man, if Stu and Villapoto, well, I guess I'm sure he'll take his chances against Stu. He's done it his whole life. But if Villapoto does not race Supercross, and it's looking like all signs point to that for any re- mm-hmm. number of reasons, you know, even just injury, yeah. let alone anything else, I mean, Reed's got to be just licking his chops, thinking I can do this. Like he was doing it against a full field, but now he's got to feel like he's been given a real opportunity. He'll be even more fired up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be good. Yep. Uh, all right. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Foxhead.com. Uh, Chase Stallo and the Jason Wygant. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Too bad it, it rained and, and turned into what looked like a great track into sort of a mud hole, but in the end, it was still entertaining race for sure. And uh, one more of these, Utah, and then we're done. I can't believe the season's gone by this fast already, but it, it has. What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I know one thing. After Utah, after the podcast, after the wrap-up podcast from Utah, this mixer board will not be turned on for a few weeks. It will not even be turned on. There's nothing, nothing to talk about. So, unless Mike Brown finally wants to do one of these, then it'll, I'll turn it back on. But chances are, Brownie will continue to be the all-time flake when it comes to doing a podcast. Other than that, this thing is we're. we're this is cobwebs. So, uh, thanks, guys. All right. All right. Thank See you. you. See you. See This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends. 
and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride and you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years.